Uh, okay, so the next film we're going to be talking about is one that Angel said that I couldn't handle. He, he's literally on, on mic, on recording, saying, man, I don't know if Julius can handle this shit. <laughs> it's Hereditary from Woo! 2018, the year of uh, a lot of different movies that were, we were very hyped for. This was definitely... But I mean, I don't know if it was like the Marvel equivalent to a horror movie because because it's I don't is this the uh, feature debut of Ari Aster, Hereditary? Yes, this is the directorial debut of Ari Aster. Okay, so for horror fans who saw the trailer for Hereditary, they're probably like, "Oh shit, this is going to be the one of this year," <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah, dude. Hereditary is a movie about this family who recently lost the their grandmother yes the, the mother's mother who you know she had a very difficult past with her mm-hmm. and it, it's all about this family really dealing with her loss not really knowing her and yeah. the wasted potential of a relationship with her and then from that point and i don't think this is, is a spoiler because it happens pretty early on in the film mm-hmm. the daughter who gives you these kind of horrific vibes these creepy vibes uh, just based on her presence and the way she acts in front of people, almost like feral, she dies in a very horrific way because of her brother, her older brother. Yeah. Um, Can you watch her while I go smoke? <laughs> <laughs> they got they got cake. They got cake. <laughs> Eat the cake. Uh, you know that happens, and from that point, the family just goes on a just this psychedelic. A psychotic downward spiral that ends up in a very horrific uh, ending and second half. And it was dubbed by Angel to me, one of the most disturbing films of the year that yes. came out. Yes. So Ari Aster, you said that he had made a, a short film beforehand, right? Yeah. He made a short film. You can check it out on YouTube. It's called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons. Right. And even, even that short film is so disturbing and deals with a topic that's very taboo. One that I haven't seen actually be expressed in a short story before or you know, in, a, in a movie. It's absolutely nuts. And I mean, it, it's a really good indicator of what kind of filmmaker Ari Aster is he's actually somebody who is bold and not afraid to take on topics that we will look the other way on it's insane you know yeah and he also has a vision that is very consistent oh yeah you know, uh he could be called an auteur if you want you know he modern is. day auteur I, yeah. I hope I'm saying Ar- auteur. Auteur. Yeah. auteur auteur um yeah <laughs> star tours uh, <laughs> he's someone whose vision i think remains consistent no matter what film he's working on i mean just look at midsummer which yeah. tonally could is very reminiscent of something like hereditary right you know yeah but visually completely different uh, yeah especially with the color grading and the lighting yeah like and it, i think it's, it's the complete yeah. opposite of what hereditary is which is just darkness and bleak and dread and ugliness and midsummer is this beautiful looking movie but layered but at, with, atmospherically, I yeah. mean, they feel like, they, oh, yeah. yeah, they're coming from the same guy. Oh, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, who's, it, it, 
No, no go, sorry, ahead, go, please. Ahead. go ahead. I was going to say it, it reminds me of Kubrick. It really does. Like the, the way he crafts his films are precise and yeah. perfect. And you really feel the environment yeah. within the frame. And it's really crazy because it is consistent, even through his short films. And the performances are, the actors he uses aren't even, you know, like, um, I wouldn't say A-list because I would say they're A-list, but they're not as well known as, you know, or popular as actors like, I'll give you an example, like uh, Brad Pitt, you know, or an Emily Blunt, you know, right. Tony Con- Collette is like an actor or actress that Kubrick would use. Somebody yeah. that he, he really sees as an artist, right? It, yeah, it's really her- reminiscent. That casting and her performance is very reminiscent in certain ways to uh, Shelley Duvall in The Shining. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Or any other cast that Kubrick would use. Yeah. You know, 2001 A Space Odyssey. I mean, Kubrick could have used, you know, Cary Grant if he wanted, if he really wanted, you know what I mean? Yet he used, you know, um, blanket on the actor's name, but he used somebody and was able to deliver one of the greatest performances in a science fiction picture. You know, all the performances that Kubrick was able to get are the best in the genre. You know what I mean? And that's very reminiscent of what Ari Aster is doing. He cares about the artistry, the craft. When you watch the opening of hereditary, you know exactly what kind of filmmaker you're getting. Somebody who has watched a lot of cinema and somebody who's actually mastered everything from camera angles to lighting, lighting to directing everything like camera movement the opening of hereditary makes you go how the hell did he do this how the hell did he do this that's the kind of director you want you don't want somebody where you're saying why the hell did he do this you want somebody where you're thinking how the hell did he do this wow <laughs> just from the opening of hereditary well, when it comes to the visual language of Hereditary, you're right. It is very dark as opposed to something like uh, Midsommar, which is bright. And I think that's one of the most effective things about it. It's utilization mm. of the dark, making you really afraid of the dark yeah, in a yeah. way that you'd never before. Yeah, yep, you know, yep. Ben, uh, in the environment, I think it's it was uh, in Idaho or Utah where it was filmed. I think, I, I, But just the, the isolation of their mm. home, of the characters, how far it takes them to get somewhere, you know, like there's that scene where he's driving to the hospital and he's in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. And you don't see anything. You do not see anything and anything could happen. And we saw what happened, you know, that's one of the most effective, like at that point I was like, Ooh, yeah. Oh my goodness. You know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Heads up. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, man. It it really is. It truly is one of the most disturbing pictures I've ever seen. Yeah. And I remember when I first saw the trailer, I saw one of the review taglines within the trailer. It said like the exorcism for this generation, and I was thinking to myself, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Come on now, like let (laughs) let me check it out. And you know, I watch it, and I'm like, no, that's actually the perfect way to describe this movie. I really do think this is something that is, you know it really is so sinister man and, and dark and just nasty nasty it makes you feel so ugly so ugly yeah, well it's i so would be- it's so beautifully crafted i would know? hope that in the future of horror films we don't you know evolve to the point where we look back at something like hereditary in the way that we look at the exorcist mm-hmm. where we're like oh that shit's funny 
Yeah. You know, like right now when with that movie coming out recently, mm. I don't know what you could look at as funny in that, you know, aside yeah. from like maybe the, because at that point when, when he, she does get like hit, it cuts mm-hmm. away real quick. But I was, I was like, oh, my, I wasn't laughing, but I was just like, that came out of nowhere, you know, like, yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. No, I did not expect that. It's insane. But with, with the exorcist, I think a lot of where that, humorous take on it comes from is actually from scary movie i think scary movie because it's such a brilliant parody (laughs) that it it was able to shift the mentality of going into the exorcist but i think back in the 70s when you watched a film like that i mean that kind of vulgarity was not seen as comical yet until we hit the late 90s so (laughs) for, for those audiences to watch that movie I really do think it was compelling and I mean, just unnerving. Seriously. When I watch the exorcist as I've gotten older, yes, it, 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 it's hard not to laugh sometimes, but if I go into it with the right mentality, like my brother's never seen it, but I guarantee you if I put on the film for him and I'm serious and I'm like, tonight we're watching the exorcism. This was a movie from the seventies that changed the game for horror. And it, it really, um, haunted audiences uh, to this He's day. Dubbed the scariest film of all time. Exactly. I guarantee yeah. you, if I put it in and we watch it and it's dark, I turn off all the lights in my theater room, the surround sound is blasted to like 80, his experience will be, oh crap, like that that was effective. Right. Post scary movie, when we rewatch the scary movies, I guarantee you, my brother will be like, this is funny as hell. So, unless we probably get a parody of Hereditary. I don't think we're going to have generations in the future look back in hereditary and be like, yo, her head's off, you know, covered in ants. <laughs> like that's hilarious. Well, you just helped. Like, you just that. right now doing that. You just helped that make it become a reality. <laughs> yo, <laughs> heads up. <laughs> Get Aaron Paul in it. Yo, her head's <laughs> up. Yo, this is why I check this out. Um, that bitch's head is off. <laughs> I don't think we're going to get that. And I think that's just the testament of how brilliant hereditary is. I do think it's timeless. Why do I think it's timeless though? I think it's because not because of the sinister forces that are haunting this family that is grieving. I think it's really because of the toxic family dynamic of trauma. That is why this movie hits a different nerve with audiences. It's not just a horror movie. It's also a very, effective family drama something that i think a movie like the silence of the lambs offers back when that came out in the 90s silence of the lambs swept the oscars it's one of the i think it's one of the only horror movies to win the big five Mm -hmm. hereditary should have done the same because to me it affected me in the same way that the silence of the lambs did it it really should have swept everything It, it i think it should have been nominated for best picture best actress Best you know, cinematography, best, screenplay, best cinematography, without a doubt. You know, best yeah. music, uh, best original score, best directing. It really was that good, and I think it's one of the best movies of the last decade. The performances speak for themselves. Tony Collette during that dinner scene when she's yelling at her son. I mean, my God, she's incredible. And- my God, that felt more real than anything that was presented in the movie, and yeah. it, it's just absolutely insane and and I, and I love that about it because i think all of us with our families 
have experienced something similar to that where there's just this relentless tension that happens impulsively and you know it's that that to me just it's 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 crazy that he was able to capture that and make it feel so real yeah I mean, Tony Collette, I think she's without a doubt the standout, especially near the end. Uh, as the yeah. film goes along, you're teased with the idea. Maybe this is all in her head, you know, mm-hmm. until you get more evidence to suggest otherwise. Uh, but yeah. in those sequences, her performance really does help get the audience to believe that, oh, this could be a movie about schizophrenia. And it partially is. Yes. You know? Yes. I'm so uh, glad you brought that up. I And it's incredible when with some of these sequences with the son, you know, like there's a scene where um, he's in bed and he thinks he's, he's being like grabbed on his bed from yeah. behind. Yeah. And oh you're, man. You're not oh, even man. sure what is happening. Even <laughs> yeah, after yeah. it's revealed, you don't know exactly what happened. Yeah. Really uh, crazy stuff. There's the part where um, someone catches on fire yes. and there's this one shot with her in it. There's this one shot of her reacting to it, and it's it's crazy. It's incredible. I mean, some of the visual effects in this film, I think, are really really utilized well. You know, uh, and it's not because it's all CG. I think there's a lot of string work within it. There's a lot of model work within it. I think that was a really mm. interesting point in the film that she works with models of yes. places, which was a very just creepy in of itself element of the film. Yeah. Foreshadowing what was going to happen at certain points. Yeah. Because there's this like aspect of control and also uh, this idea of you're not in control as well. That's what I loved about the, the play set and, and, you know, just in her, we're in her mind and Ari Aster puts the audience in the same mindset of the characters where they don't really know what the hell's going on. And we don't either. Yeah. And that feeling increases anxiety to a level where it's rare when horror movies can do that. And this one does it to its full capacity, right? When you watch this, it is just an anxiety filled story. And I love what you mentioned about, well, this movie could also deal about schizophrenia. It also deals with mental illness. It really does when you think about what happened to the brother and how the brother killed himself and cause he felt like he was hearing voices and people were coming to get him and stuff like that. So I love that. It's also a cautionary tale on how we deal with mental illness as a family. We should not take advantage of one another or we should not put each other down because of mental illness. What we should do as family members is nurture each other because when we nurture our family members, um, we're able to heal slowly but definitely surely you know rather than just sacrificing them to demonic forces you don't want to do that because then you get hereditary and it's it's just so crazy man i really love the sequence where she is at the aa meeting i believe or not aa meeting she's at a self-help group oh right yeah and and she's talking about how like you know one night i woke up and i lost the trust with my kids, they, they, they witnessed me sleepwalking, trying to burn them alive in their sleep. And we get that sequence near the end where she's dreaming and you see that whole sequence reenacted where the son is like, mom, what are you doing? And she's just crying with the lighter filled with oil with filled with gasoline. That sequence was crazy, man. It was so intense. And it really just elevates, like we mentioned before, the heightened fear 
of what these new horror movies are doing, like Get Out and Hereditary. They're doing this so successfully that I really hope we continue to get horror movies that are like this, man, that are just maximizing every element of filmmaking to really raise fear within us all. You know, I got to be honest with you, and I agree with everything you just said, because I think it is a very, if you're going to look at new horror, like the new wave of horror, this has got to be a linchpin within that. You know, if yes. we're going to talk about like a, a, a change from mm. how cheap movies in this genre can be mm-hmm. to how much effort can be put into it, you have to look at Hereditary for sure. But 1,000%. One thing that I got really disturbed by is because I live in an area that there's a, there's a street above my house mm-hmm. right, and my window is right there and I look up to it and there are cars that pass by uh, all along and the light hits through the window, even through the curtains. Right. And sometimes when I'm trying to sleep and the lights are off, I see along this, I see the lights <laughs> just streaming by and I'm like, oh, man. some shit's going down. I can't sleep. Yeah. Time to go. I got to get my John Wick ready. Oh yeah. I'm good. <laughs> you know, um, I, I want to ask you about this when it came to um, the film, the way they dealt with the cult aspect of the film. I felt a bit underwhelmed because I thought it was kind of thrown together at the last minute, especially later uh, in the final days of this story. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to know how you felt because it felt like they spent so much time on the family setting them up. They're just the way they're breaking apart that in the second half, they start to introduce but at the very end, and I'm talking about the very end, they just lay some exposition on you on what's actually going on. How did you feel about that? I think originally I felt like, oh, this was a very tense family drama. And then at the very end, it turned into like a cliche. Oh, it's a cult at the very end. But right. upon rewatching it several times, my love for the film has increased exponentially because I do feel Ari Aster actually planted the seeds effectively right. very early. Let me give you an example. The scene where they're at the grandmother's funeral and the daughter is looking at her and, and, and oh my God, it cuts to such a great shot of um, the, the daughter's face and behind her, you see a man just smiling and looking at, her, looking at her like this. And it's so freaking eerie, but you understand why so many people came to her funeral. When Tony Collette's character says, I didn't know my mother knew so many people. Wow, it's great to see everybody yeah. show up. Upon rewatch, you understand, whoa, I know exactly what's going on and it's set up early, deliberately, and not so much in my face, which I appreciate. It's not theatrical. It's, it's, it's insidious. You know what I mean? And he does that throughout the entire movie, especially when he's looking through the photo albums of, his, of, of the mother it's all set up so well. So that aspect of it feeling like, oh, it's just cliche and we're just dealing with the cold. It's not really effective. I've seen it before. That all went away for me upon several rewatches. And right. I, I consider it every aspect of this film, I consider it masterful. I think every frame you can hang up on a wall. That's how cinematic it is. Yeah. And I love it. And, and Colts really, I mean, the idea of, of Colts scare the hell out of me, man. Cause that's real. You know, my brother actually encountered one before in his lifetime and he was crying, man. <laughs> you know, let me tell you about this for a oh, second. Robert. He, oh, he went, God. I think he went to Eden Canyon oh, and okay. <laughs> he was with some friends in the middle of the night. And I said, what the hell were you, 
the hell were you doing out in the woods? Yeah, what are they doing over there? And he's like, I don't know, bro. We were way off trail. And the next thing I know, we see like fire and we were like, what's that? So we went to it and then there was just a bunch of people surrounded in like dark clothes. And my friend said, hey. And the next thing we know is they all turn and look at us. And my brother says, the next thing I know, I ran and we were crying because we thought we were going to die because they looked like they were like sacrificing something. And I'm like, holy crap, dude, I would literally piss my pants if I saw that because I hope I never encounter a cult, man, because it's real. Just the, the hive mind to like harm you is just it's it's very scary. So uh, yeah. what Ari Aster was able to do, especially towards the end, that ending is freaking it just gives me chills every time, man. Seeing naked people in your house. Hell no. You know, <laughs> well, that's too normal around here. <laughs> Uh, maybe I'm onto something, but it's funny that you bring that up about Robert. I went to a party that was kind of wild last year and I told Robert about it. And he, he said, man, I'd go Kingsman on that shit. <laughs> I'd go Kingsman. Hey, Hey, give me a kick. Bam! Yeah, exactly. Manners maketh man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I got a movie question in regards to hereditary that I'm going to ask you. Mm-hmm. Great movies because of the atmosphere that the film creates can you think of any off the top of your head that were just the first thing you think of is how you feel while watching it inception i watch inception and i feel like i am on a different plane i feel like i'm in my own subconscious and i'm able to overcome everything the way that nolan just constructs that whole movie is ridiculous and he set a new standard for cinema that day I love Inception. Um, any any Kubrick film, The Shining, especially, even more so than 2001: A Space Odyssey. What he's able to do with that hotel, it's unforgettable. And even when you look at how that hotel and how that maze is all constructed, it doesn't make sense. And therefore, I, I really do think Nolan and Kubrick they are masters of uh, atmospheric storytelling. Yeah, uh, in a way that. I don't think we'll see anytime soon. Um, even Spielberg too. I would say Spielberg, when he wants to go for something that's very atmospheric, like um, I would say Jurassic Park is very atmospheric. Uh, yeah. You know, they're, they're really the, the head honchos of that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, one thing that, one, one film that I thought of that probably wouldn't be uh, brought up too much in the atmosphere discussion uh, was definitely Birdman. You know, mm. Alejandro Inarritu's mm. Birdman, where it takes on the 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 idea and feeling of watching a play. You know, yes. continuous movement. You know, continuous uh, transitions. Oh, Everyone's yeah. there. It it's going through the days as if it were an hour and a half. Uh, really awesome. I remember us seeing that, and it was pretty. It, first of all, it's funny. It's yeah. it's hilarious, <laughs> especially the scene with um. Michael Keaton fighting out acting Edward Norton. <sighs> Hilarious dude. Uh, it's, it's also fucking fake. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Dude, that movie is a stroke of genius. I love Birdman so much. And I'm really happy that you highlighted how atmospheric that movie is because that's that's the driving force of that movie. Uh to to be able to look like it's continuously shot and you just feel like you're in New York with these people and you're on stage with them. On rooftops. And that, is, that is one of the best movies ever made. 
It is one of the best movies ever made. It's so thought provoking as well. And it really is a great example of the return of the human spirit, I think, you know, and to be able to, to lift yourself to, from a point of feeling like a dead jellyfish, you know, especially when you get those shots of the dead jellyfish on on the beach. Emmanuel Lebeski is such, he is cinema, man. Like he is cinema. It is one of the best shot films too, ever, ever, Ironically, it's one of the best comic book films of all time. Yeah, I, I would yeah. put it in there. I, yeah. I don't care what anyone says. I would put it in there. It's about a man who's at the bottom of the barrel. I mean, there, there's a reason why I took so much of it from my Dark Knight Returns as Michael Keaton trailer. Okay. <laughs> it's essentially the Dark Knight Returns story. Yeah. Guy in a midlife crisis has to come back in some insane way. He's losing his mind. He's talking to himself. Get the fuck out. It's a Batman. It's a Batman three. Okay. Yeah, exactly. Uh, man, <laughs> People are like, that. Michael Keaton's coming back as Batman. He did. It was called Birdman. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I love that movie so much. I love it I, so much. I love it too, man. I was right, thinking an, another atmospheric film that oh, I yeah. love, which is recent, is The Babadook. Ooh. The Babadook is an atmospheric movie. A directorial debut from a uh, female director who I think is someone to watch. For sure, whatever she does, The Babadook is another one of those horror movies that I think is something like it. For me, it impacted me as much as like I believe audiences were impacted by A Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, The Thing. It's one of those kind of movies, I think. Uh, Got to get I you and it. Daniel on the podcast to argue about The Babadook. Oh, yeah, yeah, no. I think we've had a conversation about it before. I know he hates it. For me, I, I love it, man. I love it. it. Well, you also love Paranormal Activity. So. <laughs> I that's do. That's the one I want you to get. Actually, that's the <laughs> one I want to get you guys arguing. Wait a minute. Okay, okay. So you're setting up. <laughs> you're setting up. <laughs> I do, man. I do. I, I'm, I'm always willing to, to, let, to elaborate on why I love something and why it works. Let me, let me, reenact, let me reenact this reaction. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Homie, homie, watch more movies, bro. (laughs) Okay. The GOAT Podcast is proof you don't have to look any further for movie news, reviews, trailer reactions, or special discussions. Subscribe, get notified about what's going on, and I promise you'll be entertained by our daily content on YouTube. If you want more, we're on Twitter at GOAT Film Podcast, Instagram The GOAT Podcast, and The GOAT Movie Group on Facebook. Get connected with us, see what's happening, and make sure to love it while you're doing so.